like that, don't you? If it does, uh, as long as it doesn't bother. So yeah, in uh, the book goes brings it to obsession or self, you know, obsession with self's the root of the problem. Mm-hmm. Now I don't believe that to be the case. I think it's you could take it back a little farther, yeah. Because okay. I think uh, let's say there's. I think the act, it, there's, there's, I call it selfing, but it's, it's the being identified as a self. Yeah? Right. That's an action that the mind is doing. Yeah? Because it can't, produce a, it can't produce a self, but it can produce a sense of being a self. Yeah? If you listen to K-Paul all day, you're going to have a sense that you're a self. Yeah? Because it's all about you as a body yeah? all day. So let's say the root of the problem is obsession with self. How about the root of the problem is identification as self, and one of the mind's activities to, to keep that bondage to self in place is obsession with self. Yeah. So by being obsessed with the idea of being a self, that's the bonding agent to being identified as self. Yeah. So it has a purpose. It's not the cause. It has a purpose. It, it reinforces the first thing. That's what I believe. So... What I believe is they brought it to uh, close to the root of the problem, but they didn't get there. Mm-hmm. They got to one of its main, uh, let's say, subsidiaries. You know, the constant, the thought system, just going all around you as the center, and that you is a long-lasting, independent, separate entity, a feeling of being a body, basically. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So then, that would be the obsession with this idea, which I think is the glue to cause the bonding to that idea. But it's the identification of self, which I think is the real culprit in a way, if you want to look at it that way. Because obsession with self uh, can take a lot of different flavors. Yeah? Let's just say uh, you're taking a two-year course of how to get over the obsession with self. Wouldn't that, that could be called obsession with self? Right. self yeah? mm-hmm. So self can't get out of self. So when self tries to stop obsessing with self, it's obsessing with stopping obsessing with self. It can't get out of it. Yeah, it can't escape the system. So no matter what it does as, as a, let's say, as what it thinks is a bona fide solution to the system is part of the system. Self can't get out of selfing. So let's say if a mental process produces the feeling of being a self, because you didn't have a feeling of being a self when you were born for a while. Yeah, the body, the, the, the baby, the baby doesn't have a feeling of being a self for a while. Yeah? It's alive and everything's happening, but there's no sense of I'm separate than my mother yeah? for a period of time. Then, then the selfing or the mind, the brain's wiring gets more and more hooked up, and then there's a part of the brain, a mental process of it, that produces the sense of being a self. Yeah? Mm-hmm. So now it, so it makes sense out of all this information. So life's happening to me. And this, and that's my mother because of the relation with me, and on and on and on and on, on, on. So let's say this thing produces a sense of self. Now, obviously, a product of the mental process could never transcend the mental process that made it. Right. Yeah, it can't because it doesn't exist anywhere. It only appears to exist in the mental process. Yeah. So it only appears. It only you only appear to be a self to you when you're under the trance of self. Yeah. The selfing produces the feeling that you're a self. That's what it does. The selfing and how it, because it's all of a, it's all a verb. It can never make the noun, but it implies being a noun. 
Yeah? So if you're listening to K-Paul all day, there's going to be a, uh, your interest and attention being glued to those that, that broadcast is going to make a logical leap in the brain's view that I'm, I'm what I'm thinking about, or I'm the thinker of what I'm thinking about. Yes? It's going to make a noun out of something. Yeah? But all there is is a verb. There isn't a long-lasting independent separate entity. Like some of the supposed great teachers in the past, the whole premise of Lord Buddha's teachings was anatta, which means non-self. Yeah? There is no inherent long-lasting self. It doesn't exist. Yeah? That, that was his big revelation. Yeah. <laughs> and like, let's say, St. Francis says, when you die to the self, you're reborn. It's in self-forgetting that you're reborn, whatever. There's so many, they, so many ways they point to the idea that when you lose interest in self, then there's a, there's a, a gaining an interest in something greater than self. Yeah. So when you come out of the yes of self, your attention and interest gets freed from that slavery, and now it tends and is interested in something else other than self. And just no matter what that may be, it's going to relieve you because it's going to bring you, your mind out of the obsession with self. So I don't know how you can't see that there must be the problem by all the relief you get when you're out of it. <laughs> when I forgot that I'm a self, they're the best aspects of my life. <laughs> I mean, you've got to put two and two together sooner or later. <laughs> so everything gets great when I'm not there, basically. While I'm waiting for everything, when I'm waiting to get the message, I'm going to be waiting a long time. Because being a one that's waiting to get the message is delaying the message. And you can't delay the message because it's not of time, but you can seem to delay the message. The message is still all available at all times, but to you it will not be seemingly available. And the word seemingly means it appears to be true or false to you. So this is a subjective experience here. So... Everything appears to be true or false to you. There's no real truth here. Yeah. There's not an object called the truth. It just seems to be or not to you. So, the whole idea... Like, I was in recovery, and I don't know when. Maybe in my late year, and year, I... Um, no, earlier than that, yeah. I, I uh, was introduced to this message, yes, outside of AA. And so I listened to what the people were sharing, and I saw a different, couple of different people sharing it. And I did what I, I, did what I call entertaining. Yeah? It just got in, and it just cooked in there, and then some stuff started getting, to be, started getting revealed. I didn't think about it much. I just heard it. Yeah, it was, like, it was like if I read a book and I hit something, there'd be like a big pause as if the next 50 pages were blank. Something, my mind would stop and it was like, that was really, it was like a, be a giant confrontation to some bullshit that was always seemingly in place. And then as soon as it was confronted with a little light, the bullshit just dissolved. Yeah. And that's what started happening. So uh, all the walls were false. They were made by my inability to sort of be inquiring be curious, because I was living in a state of I know, yeah, I know what the truth is, I know this, that's the fucking booby prize, so, um, so I started entertaining this, and at the same time, I was involved in AA, and when I, so I would go back, and I had a position in service in AA, where I was teaching a four-step workshop, uh, 
since I was three years sober. So I had ample opportunity to look over the principles of AA, especially how it works, you know, how it works, because I was constantly sharing before, before, you know, every week on the fourth step. But there's a lot of, the word self is in a lot of that, how it works. And now when I saw the word self, a whole other download happened. Something had shifted in my head, in my, you know, the composition of my mind. And when I saw the word self, all new downloads occurred. And, but the strongest thing was, I'm not that. Yeah, that was the strongest. All of it distilled to one very clear, clear realization. I'm not that. Yeah? And this is the beauty to me of entertaining you're not that which drives you crazy. Because if you're not that, first of all, the sense of you being driven crazy is its product. Yeah? The you that seems to be driven crazy, that's produced by the selfing. That feeling of being the one who's being driven crazy. It's not about stopping the, the driving crazy. It's by realizing you're not the you that's driven crazy. And then basically, driven crazy loses a lot of meaning because it's not about you. Yeah? Because the biggest meaning isn't what's happening, it's to you. The you that it's happening to is the biggest meaning of anything that ever happens in your life. The you gives a lot more meaning to what happens than what happens gives to the you. Yes? So the you is like the real weight distribution center. Yeah? So it's, it's simple to see. If you just use the word money and sex and relationships there, or health, let's say. Health, money, and relationships. Every one of us would look at that, and there would be a meaning given to it from where you're at, right? There is, they don't have a solid meaning. Yeah. So it would be given by you to where you're at. So, all right, and let's say, and they'd weigh them, and they'd have a certain weight. Now, I'm just going to add one word, and it changes the weight unbelievably. Yeah? My money. My relationships. My health. Tons of stories are written about my money. <laughs> the my is the weight, yeah? The my is the act of being identified as, yes? That's the selfing. The act of being identified with whatever you come in contact with. The body, my body. Thoughts, my thoughts. Feelings, my feelings. Time, my time. Money, my money. Yes? Everything is immediately put into a relationship to you. Yes? To you. And I'm saying that you is not true. It's not a solid, long-lasting, independent, separate entity. So basically, all your relationships are skewered or distorted because what is in relation to them is not you. It's a mind in a certain system called self-centeredness. That's what's in relationship. It's giving everything it meets, all the meaning it has. Yeah. And then you, in a sense, if you want to call it you, you're the awareness of that event. Yes? Now, there's an identification with the action figure, so you seem to be suffering from the effects of looking at life as if it's happening to you all day, instead of just seeing life's happening. Yeah? Life's happening is totally different than life's happening to me. Life's happening to me is a, a big sucking in, yes? To me is really the biggest, you know, to give life the meaning that is happening to you is an incredible meaning to give life. <laughs> I mean, you go in a, let's say you surf and you go in a day where the waves are big and a wave just totally whacks you. The wave wasn't looking to do it to you. 
That's his nature, yeah? If it's 15 feet and it jacks up, when it hits, it's going to have a large impact. If you're under it, it's going to happen to you. But it's not, there's no intention there, yeah? Ocean isn't waiting for you to get in there to give you a big wallop. That's how you view it. Oh, that fucking wave, that wave did it to me. That wave didn't do anything to you. You swam right under it without the ability to ride it and you got whacked. So, life's happening. But in the point of view of self-centeredness, it's never seen that way. It's always life's happening to you or life's happening to that person. It's always got, it always turns and becomes a self-centered loop. So everything that's met, it's you that's meeting it. So everything that's met there's only one meter, and you believe, your mind thinks it's you. Now, there is one meter, let's say, but it ain't you. Yeah. There's something prior to the feeling of being a self. There's the awareness of that feeling of being a self. Yeah? When a feeling is construed to imply that there's a self, there must be an awareness of it for that feeling to be noted. So awareness is prior to everything that happens. Yeah? There has to be an awareness of it for it to seem to happen. So that awareness, like here, like we're sitting in this room. We do this a lot, but I like it. I don't know if it works, but I'll try to use it. So everyone right now is looking, yeah? Maybe you're looking at me. So everyone, if you would describe what was happening, it would be I'm seeing you. Yeah? So in, from here, it's I am seeing you. Yes? I'm seeing you, 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 you. So there seems to be one I, and there's 12 you's in my experience right now. Now, if I switch and I look at it from Greg's point of view, now Greg is the one who's seeing, so Greg would say, I'm seeing, yes? And now I'm a you to that seeing, yeah? Yeah? And everyone, if we changed around, everyone would state the same fact, I'm seeing, yeah? That's true, that's what's happening, I'm seeing. And then I'm seeing you, yes? But if I ask myself, all right, who is it that's seeing, I, would, I don't say I, I say me. Me is the act of being identified, yes? The I, I would say, is awareness, and that's what's seeing, yes? Consciousness, if you want to call it that, conscious contact. Some awareness or consciousness is actually what's seeing. So you could call that the I, and right now in this experience, there's one eye with 12 U's. Now, there could be 2 billion U's, but there'd still only be one eye. Yeah? There could be one U, and there'd still be one eye. Yeah? And, and in the same case, when it's seen as I, from there, looking at it, I just become another U. Yeah? So in fact, what I am as this is a U, an object that can be seen. Yeah? But when I ask and my mind answers, it says it's me. So it claims the awareness as an act it's doing. Yes? So now this, this object becomes identified, and now the object becomes the doer of being conscious. Yeah? But in fact, let's say all there is is consciousness. Yeah? The consciousness is before you appearing. Yeah? But the appearance claims being the one that's conscious. So it turns what's a state called awareness into a verb that you think you're doing. So I've done all this stuff and now I'm really conscious. And then what happens? You stop doing that stuff and what are you? Unconscious. But in fact, the primary condition is just awareness. 
So really, you have nothing the fuck to do with it. You can't make it more aware or less aware. It's just awareness. Now, you can access maybe, a, your lens can open up a little bit, but it's not producing the awareness. The awareness is like everywhere at all times, yeah? And maybe here, it has to come through a certain lens, and just maybe that lens could open up so that more of it would seem to come through. I would say how that opens up is when you see and entertain you're not a self. The self-centeredness is the clamper. Self-centeredness is the lens that's causing us to call consciousness a human consciousness. Identified as a body, yes? Yet, that human consciousness is just like an extension of consciousness, yes? And by that extension, you can be conscious of itself. You can become aware or have sensed the intimation of consciousness. Yeah, because of what? You're conscious. Look at humans. They can reflect. Yes, that's their ability. A dog does something. It doesn't say, oh, I just did something. It's just doing, yeah? The dog doesn't reflect on its actions, yeah? Does it? He may learn not to do something because it gets punished, but he does, I don't think animals have a narration while they're doing things because they don't have the quality of being able to self-reflect. So the mind that's available to supposedly men and women has the ability to reflect. So right now, what is it reflecting? Self. Yeah? It's, it's in self-reflection, which to me is a fucking trance. But its ability to reflect can, doesn't only have to reflect self, it can reflect anything. And in fact, it could reflect nothing. Nothingness, which to me is spirit. In other words, that ability to reflect could look and see nothingness. Yes? So when light happens, it's not happening to you, it's just happening. There's no place where it sticks when it's thrown. There's no myth that rises up and catches it. It's just ball getting thrown around. Yeah? It's like the mirror that's here that we only see and think we're seeing things outside. Yes? And when, those, when that's captured by our perception and brought back, it hits us. Yeah? That's like painting an opaqueness on the back of the mirror. This mirror, this side, reflects also. So while I'm living, reflecting things, this aspect, if, there's no, if, if that happy face of self isn't painted on the side of the mirror, that attention that goes this way goes that way. When it goes that way, it looks into what? Infinity or space. Because there's no thing to see. Yet that, I believe, is an incredible action of seeing nothing. That's the sense of presence. The sense of presence of mind constantly reflecting its own nature, which is no thing. Yeah? While it's in the act of manifestation, where it's reflecting things, it's also reflecting the no-thingness. Yeah? In Buddhism, they would say, okay, emptiness is form and form is emptiness. So form, yes, is inherently empty. It's no-thingness. No-thingness is form. So we're doing the exact, we're seeing both at the same time. Form is emptiness, and emptiness is form. Yeah. But I found, with the identification as self, that movement of seeing it back into nothing gets hit, gets stopped by this mental idea, I am this, this is me, a body, I'm a thing. Yes? And so now no thing is called a verb that this thing is doing. It's insane. <laughs> Have you ever seen a dead body? All the parts are there. That eye ain't seeing anything, is it? 
I've seen it happen. I've had a recognition of it. When somebody that was close to me died, when I saw their body in the casket, I, I knew it wasn't Uncle Fred. Yeah? Because the animating principle had left. I was assuming it was Uncle Fred because I was assuming I was this. But when the life was out of Uncle Fred, it was obvious that ain't Uncle Fred laying there. And you could have taken his eye out and put it in a live body and it would see, but it wasn't seeing anything at that point, yes? So it wasn't about his, your, your eye ain't seeing. Something's facilitating vision through the eye. I would say that's awareness, yes? That's consciousness. To call, to make that a verb that I'm doing is an incredible arrogant leap of mind, yeah? Where true humility is to turn around and see your original face, no things. Talk about being right-sized. No size is the right size. There's no thingness. And what happens? Miraculous things happen. Like it says in recovery, when you make a decision or you, you sincerely take a position of relying on something greater than self, remarkable things happen. And he describes a couple of ones. Well, there's a remarkable things happen when you entertain the idea, I'm not a self, I'm not this presentation in my mind and this narration of every day, day after day, based on a point of view of self-centeredness, everything pertaining to me, I'm not that. I don't need to know what I am. All I need to know is what I'm not. It's in seeing what I'm not, that's what I am, which is awareness. I finally became aware of what I'm freaking not, instead of looking at life from what I'm not, which is a form of blindness. Yeah? You're conscious, but what you're conscious mostly of are the thoughts about what's not happening. That makes you, in a sense, literally unconscious here. Yeah? You're not responding to this moment. You could, you could be pronounced dead on a certain level. Every moment you're in, because most of us aren't in the moment. We're thinking about what's not happening. So someone could come by and actually pronounce you dead. Yeah? But my pulses, that's just the animation. That's the prana, the energy. But you're basically dead, bro. Let's go. We're like in vertical coffins all day. You walk in here, but you're not here. You're not reacting to here. You're not responding to here. You're reacting to what's not here, usually. Oh, thoughts about, oh, I got that agen in my refrigerator when I get home. And I hope the Netflix came today, or whatever. They're always trying to find something secure. I know, I know, I know, I know, I know, I know, I know. But it's all in a, it's in a realm of what's actually not happening. Yeah? So, if... And the citizenship and what's not happening is self. The whole thought system that supports the idea of self gives very, very little value in this to this moment. It's always about the past and the future, isn't it? Even with the primary thing of your own condition being okay, the best it can come up with, I will be okay later. <laughs> it can never entertain it's okay right now. I let me be unokay. I will be later. Don't worry. I've got a whole plan how to be okay. This is the real illness to me. Constantly delaying the inevitable. Yeah. Constantly putting peace as a conditional condi situation based on when I get the circumstances right, I can enjoy peace. Peace is prior to circumstances. Peace is virgin mind, not manifestation. It's in virgin mind. That's where peace, peace arise, arises. And there's no process that you need to get there because it's located anywhere you are at any time. It's basically everywhere. The access point to nothingness is everywhere. 
It's not formed into a place. It's not, in, it's not appearing at a certain time, at a certain space. It's not in the temple in the fucking Himalayas. It's now. Yeah. And you already fulfilled the requirements. You have awareness. You're conscious, yes? If, the, if, the, if your interest and attention could be unwed to being constantly hypervigilant about you, the you that you're not, and could get dismissed from that slavery, maybe it would attend to its own nature, which is no thingness. Yeah? It would sense the presence instead of trying to fill the absence. It matters what it matters who's doing it. If there's a you doing it, it probably will be self-centered. But if the action is being done without the sense of you, it could be a beautiful event. It's not what you're doing, it's who's doing it. That gives the biggest meaning to whatever's being done. Yeah? The who the, the idea of being a you represents more meaning than anything that could catch up to you here with any meaning. Just look at it. Let's say people, when they were young, got uh, sexually assaulted, viciously. And there was 20 of them. And everyone in the world would agree, that's a horrendous event. Yeah, That has a lot of freaking meaning. But if you watch and, and, and watch the 20 people, they all would have a different take on it. Some would maybe have a terrible life from that point on. Others would get super strong. This is what gives everything all the meaning. More than any act here, this can outshine any act. And the biggest meaning the mind can give anything is that it's you. And it gave that meaning to this. Yeah? And it's way too much for this to take. I'm telling you. It's like putting a, a ton of product on a half-ton pickup. It just can't handle it. You are not the center of the universe. <laughs> it's way too much. And yet you act as if you are because you're thinking about yourself all day. Fuck. It's like you're the sun and all these thoughts are all your little planets. And you think they're doing it to you. But it's your gravitational pull. It's your obsession, identification with self that keeps everything in place. And the biggest meaning the mind can give anything is that it's you. Bigger than the meaning giving something as God, you're bigger than God. Who says how you're doing good? How, who says, who tells you how you're doing in the concerns about God? You do, don't you? Or another you that you think is an authority. Yeah? You're the one who says, oh, I'm really close to God this weekend because I went to the retreat. Now that I'm at work, I'm really far away. God doesn't seem to have much influence. It seems to be you're the main influence if, in your proximity or distance from it. Yes? I'm getting really closer to God. <laughs> What's that but playing God? It's like, I mean, that's what the whole dilemma of AA goes down to. The how and why of the whole program of AA is to quit playing God. What? Yes, read the third step. The how and why of it is, okay, let's get to the how and why of it. First off, first off, quit playing God. It doesn't work. Now, turn, now turn your will and your life over. So first, you can't turn your will and your life over when you're playing God. Because then you're in that situation here a lot at AA. Oh, I took it back. I turned it over, now I took it back. That's fucking playing God. You get very clear before you make the decision to turn your will and your life over that you've got to quit playing God. With what? The decision to turn your will. <laughs> you know what I mean? Taking it back. Let me take it back. <laughs> Haven't you heard that at meetings? Oh, I took, my, I took my will back. I gave it back. <laughs> 
That's how you play in God? Give me a break. <laughs> so, first it says it very clearly, how and why. First, quit playing God. Then, let's look at the, the principle of AA, reliance on something great in itself. But it's very difficult because if you make a decision to turn your will, your life over to this God as a self, the self's the bigger God than that God, and therefore you'll take it back anytime you think you want. Yeah? God has a very, very weak grasp. You know, it's grip is, uh, just rip it right out of his hands. Oh, here, God, I'm so, I'm so humble. Here, give it back. Okay. It's like, fuck. He doesn't, he doesn't have any grip at all. I just take it every second. That's playing God, don't you think? I don't know. Maybe I'm crazy. It sure seems like that to me. When I hear that, oh, I took it back. I gave it back. Took it back. You know, that means the first how of it wasn't addressed. Quit playing God. Yeah? Make the decision. It's a done deal. That's that. Now, you're in the state that you've surrendered. When your head keeps saying you didn't surrender, you're not that. What happens? Then that idea of surrendering and not surrendering slips into a deeper state, which is called surrender. Yeah? It's a done deal. Now get on with it. It's not giving it back, taking it, giving it back. You're surrendered. Dirt. It's finished. Yeah? No matter what this broadcast, oh, you took it back. Well, no. Yeah? It's only your compliance with the advertising that makes the false evidence appear real. Without giving your belief to it, it does not appear real. You have not broken your decision. You have not broken your decision to turn your will and your life over. It's done. You did it. It's finished. Yes. Oh, but I did. I have the ability to take back. No, you don't. It's finished. Done. Why would you want to base anything on this? If you're trying to convince this to be authentically present in the program, you missed the whole boat. This can be convinced and unconvinced in a split second. This whole system of mind is binary. Yes, no, high, low, close, far, convinced, unconvinced, connected, disconnected, yes? It just goes back and forth. There's no state of conditional mind that can be convinced it's just a passing effect, which always has a side of the other side of the coin, which is unconvinced. Yeah? This is about being convinced with certainty, which cannot come up here. It's another aspect of mind that gets the message. That's why they use the word convinced in recovery quite a lot. And the definition is believe with certainty. This never believes with certainty. It only can be certain for a second, then an hour later it's changed its mind. Yeah? But the certainty is from another aspect of mind, not conditional, yeah? And you are just as much a representative of that unconditional mind than you are the conditional mind. And in that unconditional mind, there's a commitment to what has been learned here. Your mind gets sound or sober. And so now, I'm in a state of surrendered. No matter what my K-Paul is broadcasting, how I've taken it back, and the do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do, that false evidence stays as false evidence until it does what? Appear real to me. How can it appear real to me if it's false? I must be under a delusion for false evidence to appear real. That delusion is self-centeredness. 
So now false evidence is appearing real, that I have the power to take back and give away my will and my life at any drop of a hat. That's not the condition. That's not the situation. You don't even have a say. A parasite's running your life. And now you've introduced a greater power than that parasite, and the only thing the parasite respects is a greater power than it. And thank God in AA, it has an access to a greater power than self. And in that access, we get freedom from the bondage of self. Not through self, right? From self. We've accessed another aspect of mind. Not the conditional mind. That aspect of mind isn't time-based and it isn't self-centered based. It's, a, it's in a timeless state and it's quite, 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 quite open and wide and powerful like the open sky. And you can access that. Yes? You are accessing that. Because it's almost as if, you ever go to those places where there's vortexes, like there's a place in Arizona called Sedona. If you go to certain areas, there's a certain energy, you can feel it. Yeah, and there's other places, if you go to certain temple sites or the caves and other places in the world, there'll be an energy there that's different than if you walk in, let's say, in Burlingame. Yeah? There'll be a feeling of it. Yeah? So you can access a feeling that you can't access everywhere else. Well, for some people who have a disease of mind, a parasite called alcoholism, the access point for many of us is AA. That's the access point. It's a moving access point, but that's the access point. When we come into this program, we access a power we could not access when we were under the domination of the parasite. Yeah. So we now access a power greater than the parasite, and what happens? Remarkable things occur. Yes? Total changes in one's behavior and characteristics. A fucking down and dirty addict can be sort of a saint. Someone who was totally selfish is now helping a lot of other people. Yeah? And enjoying it. Not like a fucking martyr, but it's just part and parcel of the way of life that best expresses what aspect of mind that it's accessed. Yes? That's all that's happening here. It's the... The role of you is so fucking minimal, it's unbelievable. Like today, we were driving down the street, California Street. I wanted to go to this place to get this, this type of coffee. But then I, I'm driving, and I look on the this, this sidewalk, and some guy's legs sprawled out. Just sprawled out. And these people are walking by. So I pull over, I get out of the car, and I go over to this guy. I don't know if he's dead or not. I touch him on the shoulder, and he comes too. And I realize he's fucking drunk as a skunk. A young guy, like 25, 28 years old. And I say, hey, bro, you, bet you should get up. Because <laughs> someone's going to pick you up and it may not be next time. They're probably going to be in uniform, yeah? Because someone's going to call the cops and then you're going to be in jail. So I said, just get up. Come on, get up and hold on to this pole. So we get him up and he's like, totally, he says, I'm having a great dream of Greece. You know, <laughs> I thought it was the musical Greece, but it was the country. I go, okay, bro, that's fine. I said, where do you live? I said, oh, I just lived 12th Street. I said, all right, fuck, we got to get him home. So I'm going to walk him home, you yeah? And then one time he dropped his keys, and I, I looked down to get the keys, and I wasn't holding him, and he went, did one of those drunk and I could see his head smashing against his car, but thank God he, some grace held him up, and he, got, and he came to, and I got up to his door. He says, come on up, I want you to meet my roommate. He said, no, 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 no. And then I saw him open the door, and there he is, there he goes, yeah. Bye-bye, bye-bye. To be available to people, yes? This doesn't come 
easily when someone's in self-centered. You probably would have been having a heated conversation in the car and wouldn't even have seen that person. Yeah? But the fact is, there was an availability. Get out, be of help, and maybe you save the guy from a night in jail. And I've been in jail quite a lot, and I, I, wouldn't, I don't wish that to happen to anybody. Especially when you're loaded, and then you wake up, and there's uniformed people above you. It's like a terrible, rude awakening. Because fuck. It really is. You may be thinking of Greece, and then suddenly, now it's 850 Bryant. You're going to jail. Ah, so, these things sort of happen because you're available, yes? You're on call, so to speak. Your mind, your, your t- attention isn't up the ass of self, or someone else's ass of self, and you can be available, you know. And then there's a response, and it has nothing to do with you. There was no idea of, oh, Paul's getting out of the car. It was just getting out of the car, yeah? And then getting in Paul, and bye-bye. That's it. And then we missed the coffee, because it was closed. <laughs> so, this is a whole, it's not like a self-improvement thing. You lose interest in the self. That's the freedom. The freedom from self is loss of interest, really. It's not learning how to know the self better and, you know, make a life that fits the self into it. You'll never, you can't fit, you can't fit a life around a parasite. It feeds on the life. Yeah? You can't fit a life around a parasite. And so what, as we were first saying, when, if you entertain the idea, like it says very clearly in our book, I'm going into AA, so I hope you don't mind today, but being convinced, which means to believe with certainty, that self manifested in various ways is what has defeated us. Yes? So he separates the two. And no one sees this, or maybe they do, but they don't teach it this way. Being convinced that self manifested in all these ways, a lot of ways, man. Look at the dictionary and look up the word self. And there'll be a hyphen, and there'll be about 90 adjectives after it, yeah? Descriptive things like self-sabotage, self-love, self-esteem, self-destruction, this and that, 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 yeah? Thousands, about 90 or 100 words after it. So being convinced that self manifests in various ways is what has defeated us, we will now look at its, meaning self's, common manifestations. And the next paragraph in the program is resentment. So the inventory process is about the expressions of self in one's life. Most people are not doing an inventory from that point of view. They're looking at its expressions as theirs. And that, to me, totally verifies the real root of the disease, which is identification as self. Because if you're identified with its expressions, you're calling self-expressions yours, I would say that's the act of being identified as self. Don't you think? You can't be self, so it can only be an act of being identified as it. How could you not call that that? That every expression that it produces in life through you, you call yours. Yeah, don't you? It's my fear, my resentment, my harms to others, isn't it? It's not seen as fear, it's seen as my fear. And first of all, it's not even fear, it's anxiety. Just because the fear gets triggered in the body, the fear isn't being produced by an event, it's being produced by mind. The mental realm is producing anxiety about what's not happening, and we call it fear. It triggers the fearful emotion that's rooted in the body to protect your body from, from getting hurt, yes? Fear is a valid emotion. 
it triggers that fear so much, but it's not fear because you're not responding to a threat now. You're reacting to a made-up threat in your mind. You're either worried about next week or you're going all commiserating about something happened four years ago. Yes? How are you going to get any freedom if you're not even diagnosing what seems to be the living problem correctly? How? How can you expect to get freedom from a cold if you spend $800 on flu medicine and take it religiously? There's some matching symptoms, but you're not going to get totally cleared from the cold because you're taking flu medicine. You have to maybe get the right diagnosis. If you did half the money and bought the right stuff, you'd probably get a much more radical relief. Yeah? What would happen if you entertained that the root of the problem, the activity of the problem, is the act of being identified as a self. This may be. What would happen to mind? If the mind entertained that, what next could it entertain? The next thing it entertained in my mind went like this. Not my mind, but mine. Went, oh, I'm not that. I could be free of it. Aha! I'm not that. I could be free of it. Yeah. Right now, it's trying to get freedom as it, yes? Which means it has to do a lot of stuff like therapy and everything like that, which has value in it, yeah? But it's not a radical freedom. It's not like a new attitude and a new outlook, yeah? Like it says in AA. Yeah? You're going to have a new attitude, a new outlook, a new freedom and a new happiness. The new freedom isn't one that you've learned how to live with self or as self, yeah? It isn't. It's about entertaining I'm not that. And so that you can actually be free of it. I mean literally free of it. Free of its effects a day at a time. Literally free of its effects a day at a time. It will still be selfing, but it's not going to appear real anymore. Because you're the main ingredient for false evidence to appear real. False evidence can never appear real. It can never become real. It can only appear real to you. Yeah? I think that you is the biggest player. Not the false evidence. To you is the biggest player. If I'm not that you, I have an immunity to false evidence. So now, when something's not happening, even though it may be happening up here, I have a very strong feeling it's not happening. What more do I need to do with that than to see that it's not happening? Do I have to go over it? <laughs> Why would I want to waste any time go overing, go overing, go overing, go over? And going over something that's not happening. Why? It seems to be ludicrous to me. You know? It's just, oh, it's not happening. There you go. So someone comes over and they go off for hours about, about what's not happening. <laughs> I can just end it in 30 seconds. Hey, brother, it's not happening. But you don't understand. No, I understand very well. I can't see it. I can't hear it. I can't feel it. I can't taste it. I can't touch it. Inherently, it's not happening right now. But it's happening to me, yes. It's happening to you up here. In the mental realm. In the mental realm, everything is produced. All the feelings are produced, not through seeing, hearing, feeling, tasting, touching, but by thinking. Even feelings get construed and, and produced by the thinking. Yeah? You can think yourself into a panic attack, literally. Yeah. So the thinking in this realm, it doesn't need the other gates of conscious awareness because it's really only about being conscious of thoughts. Yeah? So you're conscious of certain thoughts that tell you you're going to be destitute next week. And you have total faith in the thought system. 
And so therefore, your faith in that thought system produces anxiety. Just like faith outside the thought system produces an ease and comfort. Same, same faith. It's just what it's put in. Check it out. That's what Jesus supposedly said when he, when he healed people. He said, it's done according to your belief. You know, as you think, so you are. Yeah. So as you think, see, as you think in selfing is, you, as you think is you're the thinker. That's just how it, that's exactly as you think. As you think, I'm the thinker. As I act, I'm the doer. As I hear, I'm the hearer. As I feel, I'm the feeler. These are my feelings, this and that, yes? <laughs> if you just would see, that's a giant leap of an interpretation, yeah? From conscious contact to you being conscious is a huge leap, Yeah? Can you, can you really, with a straight face, say you're a thinker of such a thought, subtle system that has no weight and you don't even see, yet you can't even take a shit when you want to in the body? Considering you're so identified as a body, you can't even control your bowel movements. You're not digesting the food you ate today. If you were, you'd have a big burrito probably waiting in line that you forgot to digest. You know? Oh, that pretzel, I didn't know. I forgot I ate that last night. Yes. <laughs> Sorry, I can't come to the meeting. i got to digest. I'm lagging behind. Digestion, yeah. But yet, we sit all day in the relationship to thought as the thinker. That's mind-boggling. Yeah? I'm the thinker of these things. I can't catch them. I can't see them, literally. I just, there's an awareness of them, yes? And yet, they seem to dominate my whole life. They actually override my being conscious of what's happening here because I'm just dwelling on something that happened ago or I'm thinking about something that may happen. You have to see, that's an incredible devotion, isn't it? Something that could, by giving your attention to, it could make you basically unconscious to what's actually happening. That's an incredible, you're like an incredible devotee. To the God of your own understanding, which is self. <laughs> That's the God we surrendered to, self. <laughs> if you're recovering, then I'd like to revise that after a few years. I'd rather, you know, have an experience of, of a God of its own understanding. It'll be much more revelatory than a God of my understanding. <laughs> my understanding is going to make it a very small, weak God. When I really need it the most, it won't be there. It'll get me parking spaces and maybe a date or something. <laughs> when I really need it, it's not nowhere to be found. But a God of its own understanding will reveal through you, not you, but through you. And that produces a different knowledge. Not knowing, but finding out. It's a powerful form of knowledge, yes. Isn't this incredible, the background music? Jesus Christ! I can't get a greater okay than that. They're just, they're just shouting from the, the, the heavens. Yay! Hallelujah! <laughs> we finally heard something. <laughs> so, the point is, you may try to, I may try to bang this in, but the real traveling as it is quite light. Just travel a lot later. Even when you're, when there's a lot of heaviness, there's still a fall of lightness around it because everything's forgotten very quickly. Yeah, 
You move, you move through many, many. Because in a sense, your interest and attention to things has been loosened up. And now you're more interested in the nothingness of stuff, yeah? You're more interested in the space of a day or the context of a day. It's not what fills up a day, but it's the space that's being filled up that draws your attention, yes? It's, I like to call it seeing nothing. That's what it's like. So when all this stuff happens, and it can be very important in the drama of life in that stage, but the context is the soothing salve of it all. Because the context never gets interrupted or disturbed by what is, whatever's happening in it. Nothing that ever shows up in the sky affects the sky. You, know, you can have Fourth of July explosions, it never cuts the sky open. Rains, it only wets the earth. The sky doesn't get wet. Planes are flying through it. They never call it the terminal. I just ran into a big chunk of sky. It's just birds and everything, weather fronts come and go. Light shines through, seemingly. It's just like mind, yeah? That openness of mind, allowing everything and nothing to appear. The nothingness is constantly appearing, so it's never noticed. And then the things come and go, so we see those. But the space is that context. That, to me, is seeing nothing, or the presence. Yeah? The presence of what cannot be seen. That doesn't mean it doesn't have a presence. I would say it's the dominant presence, because it doesn't come and go. This presence is just an appearance. Yeah? The mind is trained to give a lot of emphasis to what is appearing, but very little to what's always so. But because there's an awareness and our mind is, has the quality of reflecting, it can reflect that no-thingness, yes? It can be in the condition of seeing nothing. Or in Zen they say, looking, seeing its original face, which isn't a face at all, yeah? And so when you're seeing nothing, there's no interruption of the seeing, because you never run into a thing, yeah? Yeah? Like when, my, when I'm in looking, my looking stops a lot, because I see something. <laughs> I'm looking this way like when you go to the desert and you look or you look at the sky you get a different feel don't you but here in day in the city everywhere I look I run into something you know I see something yeah? but when in, in, no, in the seeing of no thing it's totally uninterrupted because it never hits there's never an impact yeah? it's not an experience that starts and has a little duration and ends it's a constant seeing so it's never noticed, like the, the effects of gravity on one's body. You have no idea that the gravity is affecting you probably right now. Yeah? Though it is. You're not aware of it. Because it seemingly always has been affecting you since you've been here. Yeah? And you very rarely, I do not hear anyone at cafes talk about the effects of gravity on their shoulder today. No, it was very heavy today. Felt like a sneaker in here. How about you? You know, no one, no one. Yet, because it's always so, it's not noticed at all. What's the same thing with no-thingness? It's always so, so we have no sense of it. All we have a sense of is what comes and goes. <laughs> and then we miss the whole no-thingness, yeah? You're so busy looking at things, you don't see the space that everything is surrounded by. That can be seen, too. But it's an act of seeing nothing. It's not like a visual act of seeing a product or an object. It's seeing nothing, but it's the mind's eye that's seeing nothing. 
These eyes see things, yeah? That's what they're trained to do. But let's just say they call it the third eye, who cares what it is? But that eye, the single eye, sees nothing, yeah? It sees nothing, that's its ability. So this eye sees things, yes? This eye is like, this is where selfing can move through, yes? But the third eye is filled with light. It doesn't feel like a third eye. But a lot of times you'll feel energy in that area of your body. But that's not what it feels like. To me, it feels like a, just like a presence, you know? Something that's intimated. Way past the body. The body is, is not really the dominant feeling. That's an experience. Yeah? The body. It's a sense of not the body. The body can, may show signs of getting a lot better or getting a lot worse, but the sense is not of the body in a way. That's an aspect of it, but the real sense is of like space, presence. It's sort of like if you someone asked you to point at you, you could go like this. You know. This isn't, you don't have to say no to this. It's, you know. So it's more of like a sense of okayness, like a, something you don't put your finger on but seems to always be so, yeah? And then there's a lot of experiences that come and go. Maybe the grade of experiences you, you seem to be having will upgrade, yeah? But the experience isn't that. You know what I mean? Yeah. see the beauty of this whole setup? Wednesday night in this background? Come on, how much more fucking conviction do you want? <laughs> how much more demonstration do you want? <laughs> Let's see. You need a bolt of lightning? Would that do? Concentration and meditation. There's nothing like concentration in seeing things. I mean, we're we're meditating on things all day as a thing. Yeah, <laughs> seeing nothing's a lot more relaxed. Yeah, not so much focus or concentration. Yeah, it's more of like a big free ranging or a real opening of a lens, not a focusing of the lens, but to a point. No, it's sort of out. So there's a sense of the space. So let's say if you were looking at this. And then your vision went like that. By the vision, it's alone, or that sense alone of space, there would be a sense of a presence, yeah? That would be like a scene. You would be seeing the space of this room, let's say. 
Yeah? Like if you're in the desert, it's easy. You're walking around, there's not much there. So there's a, the seeing is really huge. And then there's a sense of seeing. It's not like, it doesn't comply with the way you think looking has to do with. Looking is always at something, yeah? something, something. But there's the, it's a quality you could call seeing. But it's seeing nothing, really. I would say that's the open eye of mind, in a way. And that eye never shuts and never blinks. It's always open, always seeing. That, to me, is the presence. The act of seeing nothing sort of generates a certain sense. And it's not you or I seeing nothing. They're seeing nothing. And and then there's a body that's appearing in that nothing. Yeah? And then that body has an idea that it's the one that's seeing, which turns seeing into looking, which is a form of blindness. Eh? The way I'm trained to look, I'm trained to look at things. And, I, and I've lost that training or that ability. I didn't lose it, but it's been under work of seeing nothing. Yeah? But the ability, the capability is always there. It's always available. Yeah? Because your mind's reflective. So being empty itself, it can see nothing. So when, I don't know, I found by entertaining this invitation, it it invigorated my mind to come out of this yogic posture of self, you know? This very self-centered, very constrained, very rigid, formal thought system and interpretive system called self-centered. It's very, very tightly wound and small in a sense. And then it comes out. And when, when you start feeling like free, that's what it's like. Your mind is coming out of a, a, an, an imaginary straitjacket. And it just, just stretches out. It doesn't acquire new limbs or new width and new height. It's already had the potential of all those heights and widths. It just never stretched out. It's sort of like the mind, as trained by us, is always grabbing, 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 grabbing. Yes? Bro, you've got to go, eh? See you. The mind is always grabbing, 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 grabbing like hands, yeah? And yet, if you get exhausted by that and you stop grabbing, you'll see they're like wings, yeah? That your, that your real place of living is in no-thingness. You know? Like Jesus says, you're in this world of things, but you're not of it. You're in this world, seemingly of manifestation, but you are not of it. That's, I feel, is the quality yeah, of that mind. And it has never not been here. It's been always available, but never available to me. The me was what was causing it to seem to be not so. It wasn't causing it to seem to be not so. It was always available at all times. But when I have those pair of glasses on, self-centeredness, I'm blind to no things. Then I think I can acquire spirituality and graft it onto a thing. That I as this can become spiritual. That I can take the qualities of no-thingness and graft it onto thingness. And I'll even go to say that no-thingness is a thing. God or Jesus or Buddha or, you know, void or emptiness, all conceptual ideas, yeah? Always making nothing into something. And then wondering why it's not translating to as an ease and comfort in us, yeah? Because we keep getting something. And when we get confronted with nothing, we make it something. 
This is about just entertaining. If I'm not that, that's that. I don't have to turn around and see what I am. That's what I am. I am what's not that. And then your days like this. In the background, there's this singing going on at times. Like giant choruses of hallelujah. (laughs) It's pretty cool, yeah? You're just walking down the aisle at Safeway and this celestial music is playing in you. It may not sound exactly like this, but there's a constant sound music going on in your head. Constant vibrational symphonies. Constantly. People share, they'll, they'll talk about the worst thing that ever happened to them. And, you know, maybe they've been, they built an altar around that and it's been the excuse for a lot of things in their lives. And then they come to AA and about a year or two later in AA they say, well, the worst thing that ever happened to me was the best thing that ever actually happened to me. You know how an extreme swing that is of how much meaning we give things? Yeah? So maybe there's a lot of meaning your mind is giving to that job and that lifestyle. Yeah, and maybe you're not suited for that. Maybe you want to be a free-range chicken. Yeah? Maybe you'll find your own little thing to do. Who knows? Start your own little business. Yeah? There's lots of possibilities. That I know. I'm not saying to leave your job. I'm just saying, hey, it's a possibility. Anything's a possibility. When your mind wants to create like a sort of a vice-like situation, as if there's nothing I can do about this, it's always, watch your mind. It's always uses the word never, always, like I just used, never, always. It just makes up an extreme, you know? Like it's always going to be this way. I never had that trouble, you know, because I never was in an office my whole life. I remember I went to a meeting once and people were talking about uh, situations they had at uh, office parties. And I said, well, I've never had those situations. I've never been in an office to go to an office party. (laughs) So I don't know, you know. I really don't know what it's like. I'd get fired too fast if I had a position like that, really, less than a week. So I became a house painter. 
and then I worked for a lady, and then one day I realized, hey, why am I working for this lady? I'll start my own company. So I did for 14 years. And then I got to a point, why am I painting? You know, I'm going to go to India and Asia and buy out white art and send it back here and sell it. So I did that for like nine years. Worked out pretty good because I realized I couldn't ever work with anyone because they'd always probably be disappointed in me. Because my idea of work is not that uh, ambitious. You know? So I knew, like, anytime someone wanted to become a partner, I said, no, you will regret it very fast because <laughs> I'm probably not going to want to promote the business as much as you do. Yeah? So, but I found a niche, yeah? which gives me a lot of free-range movement. Yeah? I entertained possibilities, and those possibilities appeared, and I walked into them. So... Maybe that being like when you start feeling really good, you don't want to do what you're doing. Maybe that's a good indication not to do it. Who knows? No idea. I found like you know, if you if you don't know what to do, do something and you'll find out by its effects if it was the right or wrong thing, really. You know? I mean, I've walked away some from some incredible things, but I could have cared less when I did. Because when I walked away, I was accountable. There wasn't going to be any, oh, I shouldn't have done that a year later. I said, none of that. Hey, I'm, I don't want to do this. You know? And then I, you know, I went and I didn't do it. But, you know, I'll tell you...